0: Hey everybody, welcome to Broken Shovel, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. Uh, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah. This week we are talking the Anthropocene Epoch. My name is Lucas and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, Eric. Yeah, he, he always says it. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: I'm good. We actually need to say the
0: date this time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this will be out, uh, November 29th. Uh, is that correct? No, November 28th. And our information is current to that point. The reason Eric says that is we're taking a little time off in December. Uh, we've been pre-recording episodes, so we haven't and we didn't really decide when they were going to air. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, we, you know, we left the date we left the dates very vague not really there yeah and nothing quite as uh intensely scientific as uh the anthropocene epoch this yes. i've been looking forward to this one for a long time uh, this is again new science which is just so cool um and and not new science but also new science uh um, yeah
1: cuz it was uh it it was first coined as a term in the 70s
0: right yeah well and let's let's define it and then we can kind of get into what it is where it was how it became a term and, and and so on so uh the anthropocene is a proposed epoch of geologic time in which human activities have had a significant global impact on earth's climate and ecosystem uh the See, now my notes say the term was first proposed in 2000 by the Nobel Prize-winning chemist Paul Crookson. Um It
1: was, but uh, he is he is credited with independently reinventing and popularizing it. Uh, uh, biologist Eugene F. Stormer uh, is credited in it and, and you started using the term in the mid-70s.
0: Okay, so it's it's really a, a Beatles and the Monkeys kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so the exact date of the, uh, of the Anthropocene is still being debated, but most experts agree that it is, began sometime in the mid-20th century because it was around this time that human activities began to have measurable impact on the planet. And that <clears throat> sort of brings us to the, uh, if you break down the Anthropocene word to the Greek, uh, anthro is man and scene is new. So, uh, yeah. So it's new man, uh, new man, the new man era, the new man era. Uh, so, uh, da, da, da. so we're going to lay out a lot of things here. and We're going to try to answer with our opinions towards the end of whether this, sh- so, how do I say this? You want to say this? Uh, th- yeah. There, so
1: there's 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 three periods that are argued that should be the start of the the Anthropocene era, and that's the the Industrial Revolution, uh, the 1946 when the first atomic bomb was tested. And, or if it should be the 19, 1950 when the, uh, the great acceleration started.
0: Right. So, uh, let's, we're going to kind of go through the bullet points of, of this and, uh, you know, kind of decide for ourselves here what we, you know, what our opinions are probably, uh, I think, I think we're actually in a different, uh, point with this, but we will still... Yeah, I, I, I
1: think we are, because I, I am... <laughs> well, no, we'll, we'll get to it, because I think my, my effects of human activity point to where mine is aiming, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. your historical timeline shows where you're thinking
0: well, yes, and then of course uh our the lake which we'll yes. talk about uh later on, so nineteen i'm sorry seventeen sixty nine James Watt invents the steam engine, which marks the beginning of the industrial revolution uh this kind of swept the globe at the time. This was a huge, huge move, and changed the way uh most things were made, transported and uh, even consumed so um in 1859 and of course chime in anytime here eric uh charles darwin publishes on the origin of species which revolutionizes our understanding of biology Then here in 1900, just 11 years later, the world's population reaches 1.6 billion people. Uh, So this is a brand new uh, milestone, we can call it, I guess. Um, And then we get into the 40s, uh, 1940s, when we have atomic bombs being tested and used in Hiroshima, Japan. Yeah, and
1: they really call it, they call it for, it's 46 is really what happened, because it was the start of 46 is when we were testing in Nevada and in the Pacific, and then by, by the end of 46, we all know, is the day, is when we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
0: Yes, yes, and thank you for adding Nagasaki, which is so often forgotten, um, so now we get into actually a, a, an episode we're going to be doing uh, sometime soon uh, but the use of chemicals such as DDT and PC, P, PCBs <laughs> begin it's... to have a wide widespread impact on the environment. Uh, so these were uh, DDT was used for uh, pest control primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually find videos of giant trucks spraying it. All over suburban homes uh, in in the fifties. Um, yes, and... the,
1: yeah, the, yeah, the old truck that would go through, and they tell you, "Don't go outside for at least twenty four hours after we spray." Please keep your pets and aunt, pets yeah. and children indoors.
0: Yeah, pretty devastating uh, impacts on the environment, and then oh, of course problem. PCBs, uh, which is I always get this confused. This is not the coolant. This is the styrofoam cup. Yep, the polycarbonate,
1: by bi- blah, blah blah blah. I know it's. I know the first two are polycarbonate. But I can't remember what the B stands for.
0: Okay, um,
1: yeah, and then so, the other one is yeah. Then you, you don't have it listed here, but it's the CFLs. Is the third, CFLs, third?
0: Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that puts us into the 60s. The So in the 50s, again, if you go back to our plastics episode, this was also uh, a major turning point in plastics in the United States, uh, if yep. not uh, around the world. Um, Rachel Carson publishes Silent Spring, which raises public awareness of the dangers of pollution in the 1960s. Uh, And this is, in several ways, pointed as one of the starting points of the environmentalist movement. Uh, Now that there weren't environmentalists before this, um, but this is part of that popular movement uh, that leads to the 70s, when the first Earth Day is held in 1970 and the environmental movement begins to gain momentum. Uh, So we actually start seeing things uh, in schools, public listings, uh, public demonstrations, uh, um, lobbying and campaigning on uh, the ideas of preserving the environment. Uh, Now, (laughs) this is this is a fun one, the 80s, because, you know, we 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 talk about it all the time is one of those things that we actually succeeded at as a globe. And then just walked away from and never did yeah. it again. Uh, the ozone layer is discovered to be thinning, and scientists begin to warn about the dangers <laughs> of climate change. And there was massive amounts of movement in the commercial space, in the industrial space, that is leading us to almost now, almost now, a complete healing.
1: Yeah, and yeah, because we, I mean, well, I mean, they had a very noticeable, significant. Thing that they're like hey there's a hole hey guess what all people in this region of the world guess what you are getting skin cancer at a higher rate because of this hole in the ozone layer yeah. and then yeah we had a very discernible like point at like this is cause and effect right here like, and, and people kind of came together and said, ooh, well, maybe we should do something about this.
0: Yeah, and hairsprays, that was the big thing. Hairspray changed uh, in the marketplace. Yep. The, they, everybody was pointing at hairspray in and, and, and a lot of hilarious ways, too, if you look at the hairstyles. Yes. Uh, we haven't really gone back to that kind of hairstyle, the flock of seagulls look. Uh, right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Eric does it sometimes, I don't know
1: no no my hair i I don't use any other than i use natural and plant-based animal friendly hair dyes
0: yeah yes and we can give you some seeds if you want to make your own uh 1990s we're getting closer to today huh the kyoto protocol uh it sets international goals for reducing greenhouse gas emissions how do we feel about the Kyoto Protocol, Eric? It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a song and dance. It is the kind of part of the reason that we don't, we aren't finding ourselves going back to what the events of the '80s. Uh, it's just people saying they're doing things. And... Yeah, it's
1: a, it's, it's a bunch of platitudes, and it doesn't help that we have an entire segment of the population at this point that starts screaming fake news, I mean, not fake news at the time, but it was just that it was a hoax, it was merely, a, it, is the, it is the green industry's attempts to siphon money away from the oil and gas industry, so it was like very much uh, the... I mean, at least in America, Who's very much seen as a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. of of this, of like, oh no, this is just like the the green industry trying to to, to get your money, and it's just like like I, I I people always like I see on Reddit all the time is like GOP is 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 simply a group that is uh it's proj- it's all projection because everything they accuse the other side of doing is something that they're actively doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, it it causes so many more emissions having these fake meetings where everybody flies in their jets and and everything yes. else. When you know we could actually uh, campaign again, like we have seen in the seventies and eighties here in the states, and and lobby and actually work together. Um, but yeah, that's, not, that's even that's why even... I
1: like the uh, Greta Thornburg of our, our modern who. Take hit or miss on her that, that like she actually drove or took a boat to climate summits. She does not use private jets. She actually like actively like is like no, I'm going to use the train. I'm yeah. going to use boats. I'm I'm not and like has been offered to like fly in private jets to go to these climate summits and has just been like, no. Why would I be like you guys of just saying that we want to do all this good stuff. But we're doing even more damage by just showing up.
0: Yeah. She's uh, uh, controversial in a lot of ways, uh, depending on who you are. Uh, but, uh, you know, yes. th- th- she, she does do... It does seem that she chooses the right thing.
1: She does. Everyone... I mean, people accuse her of having a very... She's... She's privileged in the way that she can protest because she can, quote unquote, afford to get arrested at these German mines and other places mm-hmm. uh, and can afford to like and joke with the cops and whatnot because she's, quote unquote, white. Actually, right. I, I, I find that funny because it's just like, yeah, po- racism in police doesn't have as big a problem in EU as it does here, guys. So it's like, yeah. Like, why are you pointing at this? Like, but we're getting the, derailed here. Yeah,
0: in the same ways that John Lennon was able to afford to protest after the the Beatles broke up, right? Like, yeah, it, it's it's um, they're t- I just. I'm just going to button this on. She is using her privilege to help people, not yes. to be an influencer or travel to exotic locations for fun. Exactly. Um, but yeah let's get back on track here <laughs> we are now in the 2000s we're narrowing down to our uh, uh our our current time uh so the 2000s the term anthropocene is popularized uh as eric pointed out by paul Crutzen, uh, and scientists begin to study the impact of humans on the planet um, and then we see in the 2010s the world's population reaching 7 billion people. So this is a hundred years increase from 1.6 billion people to over 7 billion people. Uh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> uh, and the effects of climate change become start becoming very obvious. Um you know, everything from the, uh, you know, just trash and waste and piles of waste getting bigger and bigger. Uh, what did you just find there? You were looking at the population? Uh, yep, we just we, we actually
1: just passed this year 8 billion.
0: Oh, fantastic news. I can't like in, wait. And
1: recently passed 8 billion.
0: Okay. Oh, so... And I love this here in the 2020s, because this is where you really start to see the effects of the population and our activities uh, by stopping a lot of activities. The 2020s, we had the COVID-19 pandemic, and it caused a global economic shutdown, slowdown, downturn, however you want to put it. But it also led to a decrease in pollution people weren't driving places as much people weren't out doing things as much uh, where waste would be uh, created movie theaters, uh, theme parks, uh, uh, campgrounds even I think. Um,
1: yeah and I, I find it very interesting with that that we did see all these numbers of pollutants going down in 2020 2021. But then, starting last year and this year, it was almost as if we had a a calm before the storm because we've had just had a ramp up in climate or human caused climate change effects ha- taking place. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's like even though we had this lull, it was like the the storm was already brewing, and then everyone coming back at once in this. Global revamping just kind of finally like, you know, unleashed the flood.
0: Yes. Well, and this kind of brings us to uh, your section of notes here. I mean, it's it's a time of great change and uncertainty, um, and it's yep. very obvious. You know, and we'll talk more at the end about how this, where this started, but it's obvious more action needs to be taken this is measurable visual results in front of us and eric's going to kind of take us through some of that stuff now
1: yeah because i mean we've i mean we've covered so much in our in over o- older episodes of the things that we are seeing in nature and around us that are caused by human influence yes so it's like, yeah, just go back and listen to our past episodes, and this kind of, this probably comes down to where we start disagreeing on the start of this era. I would point more towards the start of the Industrial Revolution because of at that time we started seeing massive clear cuttings, dams going up, all of these mining operations, and et cetera, ramping up and starting, and then this is the start of like the noticeable. Human activity that that shows and to this day, we have scars in our region from the start of the Industrial Revolution with the three uh, Yeah But we'll go into like uh, the uh, the all the effects of are the effects of human activity that we are seeing that are kind of the The what people the scientists are saying? Hey, these are the kind of the places we are seeing uh, effects by humans. Uh, the first one, uh, something we've already covered, uh, the bi- biodiversity loss, which is like the six, sixth major extinction event, which is the worldwide extinction of species, reductions in habitat loss, and loss of loss of biological diversity. <sighs>
0: Boy, this really does look like a clip show the more I read your notes. I, I know. It really does. Uh, yeah, Worldwide Extinction. Uh, it's yeah. its its a thing. Uh, I wish I had the episode numbers in front of me, but seriously, if this is your first episode, um, go back and check out the old ones because uh, there's we, we go really into depth on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, biogeogra- biogeography and... I can't say that's now,
1: nocturnal, me. Nocturnality,
0: okay, which is uh, so species
1: adapting and changing to human activity. Um, one of the big ones they're finding is the large terrestrial mammals are becoming uh, nocturnal, and that but, but were previously diurnal, which they are active during the day, are now becoming active at night elephants, tigers, lions, giraffes, etc. they're starting to see becoming more nocturnal so they can avoid having interactions with humans. And that's just one of like many that we've seen. I think those previous episodes where we've talked about how uh, uh actually there's an episode coming up that we're going to be having about wolves next week. Wolves, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh
1: that uh talk we're going to talk about how human activity changed the uh how these animals interacted with the environment and have grown in population because of humans and another future episode that i rem- reminded of oh, yeah. we're going to do is we're gonna do the hogs
0: yes feral pigs in uh, canada and uh how super that's... pigs super pigs yes they are super pigs uh which is some of the stuff we get into uh defining uh next week in the coyotes wolves and coy yep. wolves uh but yeah we don't want to give away the house here You ought to keep them coming back.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, The next one is climate change, which is the, uh, I I call it the dead horse that we've already beaten many times, but it is like the the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere continuing to increase, which is affecting the global temperatures. Um... We are currently seeing we are up up uh, what is it two,
0: two degrees, degrees
1: Celsius? Yep, we are two or I think it was two point one on Friday. Oh. Globally, we are two point one degrees Celsius above the global average for this period of time historically. Oh, Jesus, ah, uh, yep. Which is ironic because we're actually having a, a we're having a relatively cool. Um November now,
0: yeah, yeah, it's the last couple of days it's really turned um yep. it's uh I gotta bring in double firewood today for this storm that's coming, so yes,
1: the storm that's like really hard to, that we're really having a hard time looking up because all the because it's an overnight storm, so like it doesn't show up on Sunday's forecast, and it doesn't actually show up on Monday's <laughs> forecast. So it's just kind of like, yeah, magically there's going to be anywhere between two to eight inches of snow. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, and I figure when we get to our on the homestead portion today, we'll just be talking about how we get ready for storms like this separately. That sounds uh, great. So, because uh, it's, it's a little different for both of us. Um, yep. So geomorphology.
1: Yep. Uh, changes to the Earth's surface by humans. Mining, landscaping, dams, water, re, re, water, and water reservoirs, uh, urbanization, e- all of that stuff. And actually, I'll go into uh, at, a- after we go through all these. I have another one: the uh, the anthropogenic biomes, which is yeah. uh, a new, a new, um, another new emerging science, uh, st- science study of the studying of human-made biomes, which most of our planet at this point is a human made biome oh, yay yay uh, um but yeah uh, a little bit more more on the uh, geomorphology like there's the uh we have we've created so many dams and including the the yet what the Yangtze three river dam in China um it is so large and we've dammed up so much water that we've caused the Earth to uh, elongate a little
0: bit more. We're more oval-shaped now. <laughs> I'm a, I happen to be oval-shaped um, yeah. as well, but uh, no dams. Uh, <laughs> no dams, yes. You know, and, and these next couple of ones, this is one of those things where I really like this show, because I, a lot of this stuff I didn't know. Uh, as far as least terms, I mean, I understand the principles and stuff, but this is, you know, getting to learn as we go. This is, uh, this is really next level talking about the Anthropocene epoch. Uh, yes,
1: I had, I had fun re- being all sciency and whatnot with. Yeah, this.
0: I was excited when you added your notes. It was, it was a good read this morning. Uh, so, yep. what's next after geomorphology? Here? Oh, we still have a
1: little bit more on geomorphology. Oh, okay. I apologize for um, interrupting. So. Oh, it's no, it's fine because we love our we love our tangents. Uh, but human-made materials currently outweighs all biomass on Earth. That blows my mind. Yep, that is just the yeah. There's just so much material we've made from. I mean, but, but think about it. Think of all all the major cities around the world. All of that is human-made materials.
0: Okay yes and the scales are shifted by using natural materials so it's it's not exactly a one-to-one you know concrete and uh rubber and things like that that are just here to stay for the most part um okay all right but i get it i mean it is it is kind of wild to to just picture it you know Yeah,
1: but then you but then think about like our landfills and whatnot which I, I actually i saw a really cool article um last night on i believe it was on reddit about the asking the question of why are we not mining landfills like we already have we're, we're starting to get better about the uh methane extraction from landfills but from the industrial revolution till recycling became a big big thing everything was thrown into the dumps so we have precious metals and resources just sitting in landfills that could be dug up and manipulated and end up being
0: reused that is an amazing question yeah that is why aren't we mining landfills it's, yep, that is a, it's a really good
1: question. I, 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 I kind of liked that. I had fun looking into that a little bit. And, like, no, like that that would be, actually be a fun future episode. So I didn't go too far into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'd have to couple it with, uh, you know, space uh, mining yes. and asteroids and, and things like that. Uh, but it, it could be a very interesting episode, I think. That's a great idea. Yep. Uh, my, I'm writing it down. Um, all right.
1: And all the right. Uh, last on the geomorphology is the uh, amount of nitrogen fixed soil we've created.
0: Yes, and we've talked about this in lawns uh, mostly, yep. but uh, lawns.
1: But it's very much an ag. Uh, yeah. There's a reason that, mas- that that farmers have to buy. Only one kind of seed and one type of fertilizer from Monsanto. And that's because, like, it's the only thing that will grow in both our salt-locked and nitrogen-fixed soils.
0: Which is self-caused. Uh, yep. So it's uh, it's one, it brings us to one of our favorite phrases here on Broken Trouble. Uh, 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 feedback loop. <laughs> yep. So
1: yep, we create. Yeah, we created our own feedback loop with this one, among yep. other things. Yep. Uh, and then there's stratist stratigraphy, which is the analyst of the layers of dirt and soil within in a uh, equal or an archaeological uh, view, viewpoint.
0: Okay. So. Okay so Stuff like here. the the the, lay, the
1: layers of dirt that like so you know when you dig into a in, into like a hillside and you go deep enough you will see multiple different layers from the loamy topsoil to the more sandy mixed soil going down to clay and you keep going down you get to different layers well we've done so much that we have uh, some areas we've completely eliminated some of the top layers for future fossil records. And others we've completely disrupted the sediment to where the sediment placement is changing because of stuff like the dams uh, basically preventing sediment from making it to the oceans and deltas causing a dip- the layers of the earth to look differently than they have historically
0: mind-blowing uh, you yes. know and what this brings to mind and, and I it is probably a pretty universal experience in the United States uh, but uh, visiting museums dedicated to Native American populations I've always seen a display of the, where they put their trash. And you, they would mm-hmm. sort of figure out what they ate. You know, there'd be shells or or bones and things like that in one oh, specific like, set of layers over time. Yep. Um, so one of the things that's really good, that they said is going to
1: really screw up uh, the when the aliens come and study our study our planet, <laughs> um, the layer of chicken bones
0: because <laughs> uh,
1: back in the eighteen because in the eighteen hundreds they were chickens were really only in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And they didn't actually become popularized in the West and Americas until like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. And now they, now they're everywhere. And there's chicken bones everywhere now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, trace elements. Uh, yes,
1: this is uh, going back to the uh, like the atomic bomb usage, and uh, so the uh, all those radioactive isotopes that are being found. Cats are fighting behind me. Um, That, yeah, uh, that are being found in glaciers. Specifically, there's a glacier in Wyoming that was the first one, and I believe it was 80-something that they first found uh, radioactive isotopes in the glacier and traced it back to the nuclear testing that was done in the mid-40s.
0: Wow yeah and i'm also seeing uh fossil fuel i love this excrement uh yep. <laughs> black yep. carbon. black carbon
1: inorganic ash stuff like potash and, and yeah.
0: the like which we know is a
1: huge issue with the coal industry mm-hmm. um, among other things and spherical carbon carbonaceous, carbonaceous particles that are being found in sediment that was not being found before, which just goes back to the stratus stratigraphy of be of like fighting things that we were that weren't there before. That when people go, when people slash aliens go look at the look at our our layers and go, hmm,
0: this was interesting. Well, and I'm excited for this next one: anthropogenic biomes. Uh, yes because which are, this is the perfect lead to crawford lake in, in ontario
1: yep so uh these are human-made biomes um intensive land the big ones are the intensive land use biomes pastures crops plantations and urban de- urban development areas then there's uh artificial wef- wetlands which is the crawford lake and the the Yangtze three river dam and stuff of the re- large reservoirs constructed wetlands rice paddies, aqua farms, canals and ditches.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's really something else. Uh, just having these uh, subterranean what is it? What do you have here? Subterranean oh. void.
1: Oh, I said we, we we can't skip oh. marine biomes either cuz this is like the, so Oh, yeah, the, there you go. The uh, artificial wetlands are are more on land gotcha. whereas marine biomes are for the ocean which are the uh, submerged artificial structures. Um, things like oil rigs, the Mm -hmm. wind turbine farms Mm -hmm. and a marine aqua farms. And like, these are, these are all things that are, they're really not studied at this time because we're just barely starting to acknowledge that, Hey, these are not natural structures. These are man-made structures. Gotcha. Okay. And like, and then subterranean void, which are like man-made, man-made caves. Yeah. Which are like the salt mines and et cetera uh, that we've dug out. The uh, the Ger- like, I always think of the uh, the German water reservoirs uh, mm. they have there. They've just they they've dug out massive underground lakes that are under some of these major cities that can take all the flood water and storm drain runoff without having it go out into the ocean. But these are like. Like caverns the size of lo- of medium
0: sized lakes. That's amazing. I mean, it's a am- uh, uh, amazing is not the right word, but it's something else. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so and then
1: was- the last group is the uh, shoreline and su- subterranean freshwater yeah. biomes, which are your water pipes, oil and gas pipes, underground canals and re- reservoirs, uh, mines that we have either actively or accidentally flooded right
0: ah <sighs> wow that's a lot of really intense information and it really is a lot of it i mean with the you know with the exception of uh the human-made biomes and and <clears throat> uh, artificial wetlands and things like that i think that you can find a lot more information going through past episodes and then of course mm-hmm. next week with wolves and coyotes Um, I want to talk briefly about Crawford Lake in in southern Ontario, Canada, Uh, and then we can kind of, I don't want to say debate, but decide that I'm right is probably a lot more like it. So Crawford Lake is a very small lake, it's a deep lake, uh, and it's a candidate site for marking the beginning of the Anthropocene. Uh, So it's a, a uh, you know, which we've gone over. The lake's unique geological and chemical properties have preserved a detailed record of human activity over the past centuries, making it a valuable resource for scientists. Uh, so uh, so Crawford Lake is a merometric lake, which is to say it has individual layers that do not intermix. Most lakes, at least once a year, the layers will squat places, intermix, uh, stuff like that. So the its layers of water don't mix. It allows for the preservation of distinct layers of sediment, each representing a specific period of time. So it's kind of like the rings of a tree. Um, so and uh, so they found
1: this is this is strat strat stratig, stratig- stratigraphy.
0: <laughs> I think, I don't know. So, unhigh, unusually high concentration of metals and other pollutants. The lake sediment contains high concentrations of pollutants that are characteristic of human activity, such as lead from gasoline, mercury from industrial processes, <clears throat> and plutonium from nuclear weapons. Uh, there is also the presence of microscopic plastic partic- particles, microplastics. Uh, very recent episode. Uh, and, uh, uh let's see what else so yeah a hallmark of the anthropocene really uh and then uh record of human induced changes in land use the lake sediments also contain pollen grains and other organic matter that can be used to reconstruct changes in land use over time such as uh clear cutting and uh massive agriculture um so crawford lake is a is a selection as a golden spike for the anthropocene in a significant step in the ongoing debate on what this new when this new epoch began. The lake sediment provided a compelling record of human impact on the Earth's systems and they could help to define the boundaries of the Anthropocene going forward. So,
1: Eric See, I would argue the Crawford Lake is more of a it's a what is it? What it would be a warning, a kind of like, hey this is evidence of this but i think the golden spike to me the golden the golden spike is the nu- the nuclear testing with the anthropocene starting as early as the industrial revolution because that's when we started seeing the massive cities growing we saw massive clear cutting mining and other operations really ramping up and causing large scale environmental changes uh, to build these cities and our societies that we have today, so this is a, that. So I would argue that it started in the 1800s. The nuclear age was the gold. In the nuclear age was the golden spike moment. Yes, yeah, see, I. And then the, the late Crawford is a kind of a our, our alarm of like, hey, here's our evidence that this. That the golden spike was here, and this is all the things that we can now take from this one specific lake that shows all the changes that we've
0: caused. Well, so with the with what research has come out of Crawford Lake, at this point, my opinion is that, and it's it's funny how closely our dates are related. But I see, you know, the true start of the Anthropocene uh, to be uh, the '40s. Uh, with the nuclear uh, uh, testing and use um, but more about global wars and the sudden rapid spike of globalization uh, and shipping of goods and the economy of fuels was sort of improving not not Less pollutant. I'm not saying that, but the economy of fuels was was improving, and now we really start to see a global spread. And when we're talking about something like an epoch, we can't lose focus on it. On, on the this is global. Um, see, I think the I see I I, I would disagree. I think the 40s is more the World War
1: II, World War One, World War Two, and the 40s were the catalyst to this globalist expansion that had already started. In the expl, I mean, I hate go. I can go back to seventeen hundreds the exploration era, and our first, the first genocides uh, st- perpetrated by humans to, to like change the way the work the like I, because when the Europeans came over to the Americans and c- killed off the natives. I mean, we could go to the, that as being one of the starting points, because that is a massive human change driven event that took place
0: in one place, though, uh,
1: you... in one place. But this is all But that's the thing where, where the the British monarchy and others, they they touched all over the world and I think these these are
0: the dominoes I I agree with that but I feel like the yeah. true start of the Anthropocene epoch should be looked at in the early 1900s when oh see I started with so fast.
1: Right, but see, yeah, that's where I would be. No, that's the cat. That's the catalyst. Like I think we, I, I would go back to we start at the first domino falling, not at the middle dom, the middle, the middle red domino falling. I think,
0: I think the first piece of uh, 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 space trash should be our golden spike. <laughs> Maybe you know that's uh,
1: I, I now nah, I like the nuke be I like the nuclear testing and the first nuclear the nuclear bombs being the first real golden spike because it was the The finding of those radioactive isotopes in Wyoming and Canada that made people really start going, hey, uh, we're having an effect on the planet and it's pretty big.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, we are uh, good at disagreeing with each other in that we can see each other's points and uh, and – Obviously, agree to disagree. Yeah, well, I was going to say more that we can, you know, sort of agree that Lucas is right. Um, (laughs) But as I said, agree
1: to disagree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like we said, uh, you know, earlier, this is uh, all very young information. And, you know, what we're giving here is is our opinions. We're not scientists. Uh, This is kind of what we think. Eventually, we're going to have some really solid peer reviewed information. This stuff is going to be cast in stone. Uh, so to speak. And, um, you know, we'll, we, we'll really have that. We are not scientists. We are homesteaders, podcasters, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you're your dad and stuff, but that's about it for me. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm an engineer. I like to think of myself as an engineer that understands the scientific method.
0: Uh, yeah okay all right well and i like to think of myself as always right uh so we mentioned earlier in the episode uh that we've got some pretty serious weather coming up uh potential in my area is up to 12 inches at the current forecast but you know forecast models change i'm actually going to go look at some serena arnold videos here shortly um but how do you get ready for a storm like this? You know, we're recording on a Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday morning. You have to report to work. Um, yeah, I've got a I I, I have a four wheel
1: drive vehicle, so I am pretty much um I have to first thing I, I because of work, the first thing I have to do is I have to see do we have any is is anything down? Do we have any issues? Do I need to go out and check things? Um I kind of debate if I'm going to physically go to the office on if the school's kids, if the schools get canc- cancel school. Mm-hmm. Like, if they cancel school, like, yeah, I'll go out to uh, do the different checks and stuff, but for the most part, I will work from home that day. But overall, I don't do a huge amount just because it's like, it, the, even with the worst of the storms, it's just another day for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it is kind of just another day for me as well. Um, Monday tomorrow has been declared a day off for me, so I'll pretty much just be plowing, shoveling, snow blowing, uh, carrying firewood, and uh, which is really kind of like a lot of the normal stuff. But I will, you know, I will because of how remote I am. Uh, I will double check that we have extra water in case the power goes out. Uh, I will double check that we've got some canned goods. Um, I will bring in twice as much firewood than I normally do because that is our primary heat. Uh, and you know, if our power's out and we want to cook, we'll just cook on the wood stove. Uh, you know, so we just sort of. yeah, see,
1: I've got I've got propane that I can just I, my stove like I can't. Well, use... yeah, it's interesting. I, I I can't use the oven. I mean,
0: neither. But I can use the stovetop. Yeah. Yeah, you can just light it with a match or whatever. Um, yep. And, and I will... But we we prefer to stay in the warm side of the house, and the kitchen is on the cold side of the house. Uh, so mm-hmm. we tend to just sort of stay on that side of the house. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's really just a lot of keeping track of of you know, do you have to be somewhere? Uh is yeah, it... do you have to be asked, do you what do you,
1: what do I need for the next 48 hours to thir- to, to 72 hours to survive? Right.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, and Meg is out now just picking up a couple of straggling uh, things that we need for our next uh, market. But um, she's also picking up diesel for the tractor because uh, I will just I'll either decide to wait till the whole storm is over and then plow or I will plow a couple of times over the course of the storm. It's really just it's, it's kind of just one of those wait and see and just be ready to spend the day outside in the cold for me. Yeah but uh, yeah. And I've had, I mean, I've even had
1: storms where it's, I, I honestly like, I, I still need to put my carburetor back together on my snowblower. And then the, I, I brought my, one of my tires to Aubuchon's for off my snowblower. They're like, Oh yeah, it needs a new tube. And then they never got the new tube and <laughs> never gave me back my tire. Oh, no. <laughs> so now I'm down a tire on my snowblower as well, which I'll have to go to tractor supply. Cause that's, I'm just going to, yeah, just go to tractor supply and get it. Cause it's, yeah but i'm also more than likely tomorrow with how wet and heavy it's actually predicted to be um i will likely uh my my making trails and clearing my driveway will simply be me me making snowballs and rolling snowballs (laughs) across my driveway just because it's like it's easy it's a good workout and it's and i technically don't have a running snowblower
0: right yeah uh that's too bad uh yeah it's uh yeah it's really just wait and see for us you know prepare for the worst uh, hope for the best um yep so if my internet goes out though you're my first call yeah yeah that's, <laughs> a
1: lot of people try to make that first call and i'll tell them to do,
0: things. <laughs> do you want me to call the customer service team <laughs> yes no well, uh, uh the yes <laughs> all right well uh that's kind of what it we're like we said we're talking about uh coyotes uh, uh i almost said werewolves uh coyotes werewolves. wolves and coy wolves on next week's episode um and as always this is a conversation i i would we would love to hear that i'm right and if you want to email in, uh, to say that I am right about the start of the Anthropocene Epoch, uh, the, our email is broken shovel eight zero two at gmail.com. Uh, and, uh, you can find me on TikTok at, at broken shovel farm and then shameless self promotion, broken shovel dot com is up. Uh, there are brooms available and for sale. Um, uh, and there's a discount on all Hearth brooms if you use the code HEARTH, H-E-A-R-T-H. I'm surprised by how many people have asked me how to spell that. Um, hearth at checkout will get you 15% off of all Hearth brooms. Uh, and uh, Maga and I will be at the Holiday Market in Vershire on December 3rd. Uh, and I will post more about that on the TikTok as I get more details. Um, other than that, we were at um, uh, small market Saturday market small business Saturday uh, market in Bradford yesterday, which was great. I met a lot of really awesome people. Uh, uh, and again, hopefully some potential guests. Um, and uh, people to collaborate on some of our other products. Um, oh, and there's new stuff coming nice. to the website after today uh, in the next couple of weeks. Nice. So I will keep you all updated on that. Uh, anything on your side, Eric? Just work, work, nope. work, and, I mean, and fixing just, everything. Just work,
1: work, work, and fixing everything. <laughs> I mean, I always like to kind of like we, we, we may not be scientists, but we do follow the scientific, scientific method and understand. Research, using peer reviewed information and et cetera. So we're we're, I, we're we we are armchair experts and I make yeah, jokes we do about that. I'm process. Right, but
0: we do yeah, we really do. And you know, and more than anything today, you know, this this last bit was about our opinions based on mm-hmm. what we've read and how we interpret the interpreted it. The data. Yeah. So, the
1: data and in the, in the definitions and the facts.
0: Yeah, and, you know, this is, a, for us, a conversation we have every week. Uh, so we're <laughs> always learning more. Uh, and uh, anybody who has a problem with learning, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, why are you listening to us if you have a problem with learning? So I think that does it. We actually went a little long this week. Um, but, yeah, tune in uh, next week for uh, uh, Coyotes, Wolves, and Koi Wolves. It's a good one. I really had fun. Yes. Uh, yes. (laughs) All right.
1: Very enjoyable. Bye, everybody. Later.